0: Well, good Monday afternoon. My name is Braden Gall. He is Zach Lyons. A little early today, but uh, scheduling required it. So thanks to you guys for hanging out with us. We'd rather go live an hour early than give you some recorded episode uh, at uh, 1 o'clock. So hopefully you're hanging out with us here. Uh, You've got the comment section open. So if you want to comment, you want to ask questions, you want to get in with us, uh, please do that. Of course, brought to you, a football show brought to you by Sinkers Beverages the Kingston group as well. Um, And uh, we'll get into some, some cool stuff happening with both of those companies. Uh, We've got sec media days coming up next week. So on Thursday, we'll tell you, we'll give you a a preview of what's coming up next week. Uh, Also, we're diving into unit rankings within the AFC South. We are going to do the offense today. We're going to do the defense on Thursday, and we're going to take a look at some of the non football playing pieces as well. The coaching staffs, the front offices, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So sinkers beverages, the Kingston group, Our two great sponsors. Zach, how are you, sir?
1: Doing pretty good. I say for the AFC South uh, general manager spot, I think we can almost just throw that out because there's general managers that just have just started.
0: Yeah, that's that's mostly true. Uh, And then, of course, the one that you have so much respect for in Indianapolis as well. Um, Okay, so lots of stuff to do. He would still
1: Uh, be dead last among all the rookies. Right.
0: Right. Uh, so we're going to we're going to do quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight end offensive line today on the show. Kind of go through the AFC South and we'll we'll, we'll break it all down here. Uh, Sinkers Beverages, of course, you guys know the name. They've got another sister store up in Hendersonville. So if you're on the north side of town, check out Bluegrass. Just sign up for the in crowd, of course, uh, at, at Sinkers. And it's uh, um, you got opportunities to get all kinds of access to allocations. You got access to, to tasting special events. Uh, but really, it's just a great place to buy your. Alcohol, <laughs> because they've got wine experts. they got guys who are making drinks uh, like in, in store for you to teach you how to make some fancy cocktails for, for a party. So they, they can help you with any of your needs. Make sure you swing by Sinkers Beverages in East Nashville. And more importantly, if you're not in East, search Uber Eats and have the booze delivered directly to your house.
1: They'll drive so you can drink.
0: There you have it. Uh, Kingston Group, buildkg.com is the website if you are going to do something to your home a renovation a, a you're going to buy a house or you're going to sell a house and you need somebody to do work for you on that house kingston group are the is the people are the people are the people you need to know and to have a conversation with because they will help guide you through that process they are a nose to tail firm they've got an in-house design team so if you are sitting there with your significant other and you're looking at a house that you're either about to renovate or about to buy, or about to sell, and you're like, "What do we do to add value to our home and to add value to our property?" Talk to the Kingston Group. They will take you from the beginning of the process to the end of the process, and you will know exactly how much you're going to spend on the entire project, and you'll make that money back on your property. I guarantee it. So, uh, not in writing, not in writing, Zach. I'm not going to guarantee it in writing, but I promise you. How about that? That you'll make. I mean, money.
1: you you. This holds up in a in a court of law this audio yeah. of you promising and all that kind of stuff. So
0: yeah. uh, here, here's the bottom line. You don't spend money on, on a renovation of your house. Like always do it with the eye towards resale and towards yes. value because you're going to make your money back. If you do it right and you use the right people to do it, which is the King's. Yep. So, Look,
1: well,
0: you're you sell houses all the time. So, you know exactly what I'm talking about here. Always next- do it
1: the best the first time around. Don't 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 skimp on renovations or anything like that.
0: It's it's one of those very few things in life. Like and actually what i what I meant to say was it's one of the very few things in life that is true in all walks of life, which is do it right the first time. Right. If you're gonna do it. And uh then you then you don't have to do it any other time. So uh yes, so bros. If you don't use the Kingston group, F off. Uh okay. Uh do we have any DeAndre Hopkins news? I, I um I mean, I a- you do, you you're the one who shared it. <laughs> Well, and it wasn't like, it was me
1: speaking news news. No, it's not. It's
0: not. But I talked to Jeremy Fowler and we were on, we were doing some work for ESPN over the weekend and I kind of just was like, what's the latest? Give me some updates on where they stand. You know, the chiefs are still kind of like Hopkins curious, you know, like they're kind of lingering around the fringe. But what I understand and from what Jeremy understands is that the Titans have the best offer on the table. And that the Titans have the most buy-in from sort of top to bottom, from administrative front office to head coach to quarterback to offensive coordinator. That They they are sort of the most uh, bought-in on what DeAndre Hopkins is, what he can do for them, and wanting him to be in Tennessee. And again, this could go out of date in a matter of minutes if he decides to sign a contract. Uh, But I got the gist... That if you had to put money on who's in the lead and where he could end up, if you were betting, that that I think the Titans have the best chance to get him. And I think some of that is because there's the most buy-in from top to bottom inside the organization on bringing him in. And that's, I, I don't know, you give credit to Rand Carthon and Mike Rabel for that. You give credit to sort of their strategy. They've kind of kept it somewhat behind closed doors and quiet. And I think out of respect for DeAndre Hopkins. Um, So I think they've put themselves in the best position. It doesn't mean they're going to get him, but I think they've put themselves in the best position for him.
1: Well, the ESPN and national media NFL network, they desperately do not want DeAndre Hopkins to go to Tennessee. Like I, I and it's (laughs) not because they hate Tennessee. It's because ratings drivers are at new England and at, um kansas city like they're so desperate for him not to choose tennessee for content purposes and ratings purposes Uh, i am not surprised they're the most aggressive um that they obviously even including the patriots and the chiefs who have barely recognizable names among themselves in their wide receiver room there is no greater hole in the entire NFL than <laughs> the <laughs> Titans wide receiver room, I feel like. Now, it's maybe the Texans wide receiver room, but they're obviously in a different phase of their, their process, their rebuild, whatever you want to call it. They're in a different phase of their NFL life. Right. So, to me, I'm not surprised that they're aggressive. I'm not surprised that they're in the lead. I'm not surprised at any of this. What I do think that we need to pay attention to is the fact that I would assume Jeremy Fowler is not being fed this from the agent's perspective, which means that the agent is desperate for more money that to me, this sounds like a team like the Tennessee Titans are the most aggressive, but just not aggressive enough where Deandre Hopkins wants it to be. And he, they're desperately trying to get Kansas city to put an offer on the table or the Patriots, to maybe try and come in and beat them because they just want the most money. That's what it all boils down to.
0: Which again, if winning a championship was all you cared about and money wasn't a factor, then Tennessee and New England would not be players in this. Like it would be Kansas City. You would sign for whatever number you they give you because you'd go win a Super Bowl there, probably. But they right? just
1: don't want. I just don't think they want to spend any kind of money close to what it, right they's right. wanting. Right. Like right. I. That's why they haven't made an offer. And right what at I, this stage in the game, I don't understand. Well, I, I know what you're saying. What I'm saying is, that I don't understand why DeAndre Hopkins just doesn't make a decision. Does he suddenly think that the Kansas City Chiefs or the New England Patriots, who are both who one is stubborn in the Patriots and one who just proved they don't have to have a wide receiver to win in the uh, the Super Bowl, that a premier won a wide receiver, and if they don't. If it's been dragged out this long, I don't think that any offer is gonna be better than the Tennessee Titans. And then this is feels like a reluctant acceptance of of the state of the NFL. Like
0: couple of quick things jeremy fowler for example i know you've kind of given him a hard time for some reports that weren't exactly detailed earlier this week or last week or whatever Just the
1: same details over and over right
0: he does not give a shit about the ratings that doesn't affect his job so he's not reporting that like espn as an entity right what wants deandre hopkins in kansas city first and foremost new england number two tennessee three but that'd be the same for NFL Network. That would be the same for CBS or Fox or whoever right. might be carrying the games. There, that's that is not like a reporter thing. Like Diana Rossini. No, no doesn't, doesn't give I, a shit, I didn't say know. it was a reporter thing. I just right, said right. The no, I just I just want to make sure. I just want to clarify that. Like the, there's some people conflate sometimes. Like somebody, oh, just wants clicks. You just want clicks, you know. And I don't. That's I, not,
1: I I do think that like the talking heads that debate shows and. To have conversations around the NFL, they desperately want him to choose one of those two places.
0: I agree with that. But A that's reporter. also ties
1: into the network wanting yes. those two places.
0: Yes, they. that is one million percent correct. But... The person who is trying to do reporting and is like a like a bottom level reporter. And that's not meant to be disparaging towards Jeremy. Uh, he, uh, Relative to the ESPN pecking order, as we've yeah, seen, Rappaport, unfortunately,
1: Adam Schefter, Chris Mortensen, those guys don't care where they go. They care. just like having someone to talk about regardless of where they choose.
0: Yes. I think what's interesting is that it's to me, it's very clear. And it's kind of piggybacking off what your point is, is that it's very clear that DeAndre Hopkins has the best offer from the Titans, in my opinion. I'm not, I'm not reporting that. Let's call this an educated uh, guess here that he has the offer. It's here for the Titans and he is in no rush to accept it because he can just wait to see if someone else is going to beat it and he doesn't need to rush to do it. The camp doesn't open up for two more weeks. Like there's no rush for him to do it this minute or this day or this week. Uh, He can just kind of sit there and go, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm working on my body. I'm staying in shape to get ready for camp. Um, You know, it doesn't, there's no real negative or positive to him signing something right now he can wait and if something better comes along okay my, my question personally would be if it's x for the titans or it's y for the chiefs like does the chief's number ever come up close enough to where it's he decides all right it's less but i, I have a much better chance of winning a championship i i just don't we don't know and, what he's be
1: like within two to three million right don't you think like an attainable number Probably. I feel like that's a little high of a number. Like, I feel like the way that he's approached this off season, it's clearly all about money. So maybe I am giving him too much credit by just saying eh, it's maybe two or 3 million, you know, Eason makes a point in here that, you know, wait, wait till later. Cause could be waiting to see if there's training camp injury that changes somebody's situation, but that has to be an injury situation. That is just the right injured player to be able to afford the new contract like it's just such a i get the idea behind it. i get the business sense behind it kind of wait around see if there's an injury that happens but first off you're you're waiting for something that may never happen, while giving you less time to acclimate to your new surroundings. Maybe he's got a little bit of advantage because B.O.B. Tim Kelly is kind of familiar. So maybe he's willing to wait, but you still need to build chemistry with your quarterback and with your team. I just feel like waiting for that. And we've seen players do that all the time, right? We've seen players make weird, unlikely decisions that result in a, a financial hurt for them. So I just, I do think it. I think it's possible. I'm not really even saying that's unlikely. I think that would be the only reason to wait because at this point, the Chiefs aren't coming in unless, I guess, Travis Kelsey gets injured. I mean, like, to me, if Travis Kelsey gets injured, that that changes it more than Marquez Valdez-Scantlin if he's still even on the team or Kadarius Stoney.
0: Yeah, I, so there's two different ways. I would say not making a decision before camp, to me, is just, that's just the right thing to do. I think I mean, once you at this point, you, is it
1: though? Like, well, but
0: I'm, I'm yes, I, I would have no, I'm in no hurry to sign a contract. And now, waiting for an injury in camp, that's a totally different risk. And why opinion.
1: are you even waiting? So that would be the only reason to wait for training camp to start, because at this point nobody's getting in unless someone gets injured in like a freak, freak jet ski accident.
0: No, and I'm not even talking about injury. I'm just saying you can just wait it out because there's no there's re- no, no act there's no but there's also no point in signing until well, camp. Yeah, opens.
1: there to me there is because you just go ahead and get it over with and get it done because you're not getting. There is no. At this point, you are past the. if you're looking at a timeline and looking at data, you are past the threshold for your negotiations for the likelihood of a third team jumping in is like less than 5%. I mean, at this point you you're betting on something that is entirely unlikely because if a third team was to jump in they would have jumped in you got reports of the browns you got reports of the panthers you had reports of the bills and the chiefs and the ravens and none of those people at this point i I know but decided to put in an offer but i feel like the likelihood of it is just so damn slim i
0: agree with you but you're it's like recruiting and you know you're out of it because a guy player has selected his three finalists it doesn't stop the head coach occasionally from calling just to check. Like so, to me, it's the agent's job to constantly be selling to all of these teams, and so you're just still. Well, nobody buying
1: what he's selling. Right? I agree.
0: I agree. But you just keep pounding the pavement because there's no change now. I think the injury thing is interesting. If it were to happen with one of the like, let's say there's five finalists. Let's say there's the Titans and the Patriots and the Chiefs, and maybe two other teams like had a meeting with them and said, "No, we're we're not in the same ballpark," right? It, to me, you're right. The percentage chance of one of those being injured, they would already have to have been a team that's interested because of the cap situation. But if all of a sudden, like I, I don't know who, who which player, like the Titans number two or the Patriots number two gets hurt, it doesn't have to be a star. But if somebody gets hurt, then all of a sudden you might go, okay, I'm going to offer you a million more. And then all of a sudden, waiting was the right decision for him, and he got a little extra money out of the deal. I, is that the right thing to do? I, I I don't I don't know. I don't I don't. I, I, I don't think even I know
1: if the Patriots, because, I mean, you still pay your player when they get injured on most of these contracts nowadays, I mean, with injury guarantees and everything. So it doesn't really change the cap situation.
0: No, no, but I meant like, from a if, winning standpoint.
1: If like, okay, if Devontae Parker, who is there, I guess, would assume Juju Smith-Schuster is their number one at the Patriots. But if either one of those guys go down, well, you got Kendrick Bourne, who, yeah, it's not an exciting name, but he's going to provide you really just as good as what they can maybe not as good as yeah. schuster but I don't know like it's just at this point I feel like it's a little tiresome and any like when this news came out it's like oh that's interesting but that's also kind of duh like it just feels very duh.
0: I, I think being in I think Titans fans should feel confident. I like yeah. like cautiously optimistic is how I would feel I think the last week I, I think has cemented the Titans as the leader which I think is an interesting slight development. And I think that he's just waiting to make sure it's the right thing. And because the Titans don't have like, they just don't have as much to sell as Kansas city to what Hopkins wants, obviously championship and, and, and whatever else. But like, I think that they, what they have done is they've shown, like, I hate the phrase, show me the love, you know, but like they have shown, Hopkins the most love and buy into what they, they want him to still be as a part of their team. It, you know, it's obviously not enough money for him to sign right away. That's it. Like, otherwise it would have been done. So maybe that's the championship window that they don't, he doesn't think is as open for Tennessee. Who knows? It could be anything that he's doing to me as a Titans fan. I'm not worried about it until at least camp starts. So as long as camp hasn't started yet and I'm still in the lead, I'm, I'm as comfortable as I've I've been in the situation. So
1: well, I I know it's it's coming up soon, but at some point, and I believe it's Wednesday is like the deadest period of sports ever. I think it's Wednesday <laughs> or Thursday. Yeah, it's, it's like, like Wednesday there's nothing after that the goes on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's nothing that goes on. Um, that is when he should make his announcement. He should on make it, it on, that, all, on the all slowest sports. day to give everybody something to talk about. Yeah, I and did, the did. entire focus will be on DeAndre Hopkins. And if I'm his agent, maybe that's what they've been waiting for. Is like, listen, we're going to have you sign with the Titans, but we want it to be a really big moment. Nothing is going on on Wednesday. Let's make the announcement then, and you will be the only person. You will dominate all radio airwaves and ESPN, NFL, yeah, Boston, would. Kansas City, Nashville. You would dominate.
0: Yep. No, you would. You would. So, so when it comes out Wednesday morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. You
1: heard it you know, here first? You heard it here first.
0: It is, it is literally the slowest day in the entire sports calendar, because at least tonight, there's a home run derby. Which uh, I didn't even on, know was tonight. <laughs> but on Wednesday, there's literally nothing in the four major sports, which I think is the only day of the year that that happens. So... Um, th- there you go. There you go. Okay. Well, you want to get into some unit rankings here. Uh, A yeah, football show, unit rankings 2023 edition, AFC South, brought to you by Sinkers Beverages, the Kingston Group. You got Stacking the Inbox as well. So, stackingtheinbox.com, F Words Pod, uh, all kinds of good stuff going on, on across the 440 Sports Network. You got, you know, you know, we got Gold Standard, we got Club and Country, got all kinds of other great shows. So, make sure you check those out. Uh, Sinkers Beverages, Kingston Group, proud, proud, locally owned companies here in Nashville, serving booze and Construction to you, the Nashvilleians here in town. So go check them out. Uh, okay, let's. Uh, can I save quarterbacks?
1: You, or do you, you have you just, to? I don't. I don't have to. You know me. I just have a list over here. You just got to tell me which one we're talking about. I'm going
0: to start wide receiver because I think it's the easiest one. I okay. think it's, and I agree with you completely. I think. I think we're going to agree, and I think it's the easiest one to do. I think it is absolutely. There's no debate, there's no hot takes here. I don't think we're going to disagree on anything. I think the wide receiver position and this does not include tight ends, but the wide receiver position I think in the AFC South is a clear 1st, 2nd, 3rd and 4th in the AFC. I want to see what you got.
1: Jaguars, Colts, Titans, Texans.
0: Number 1 Jacksonville, number yeah. 2 Indianapolis, mm-hmm. number 3 Tennessee, mm-hmm. number 4 Houston. I do yep. not how you can make the I don't know how you can make the case for any other order of arrangement in the AFC South.
1: Yeah, I I don't think there is. Um, You know, the the Colts are seemingly having some issues with getting Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman onto the field heading into training camp. Uh, Alec Pierce, who struggled to stay on the field all of last year, but Michael Pittman is clearly, it doesn't say much, (laughs) but he's clearly the third best wide receiver overall in the AFC South. Calvin Ridley, Christian Cook, then Michael Pittman are obviously, to me, the top three. But then when you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars depth chart, I mean, they're just loaded. Now, listen. Calvin Ridley hasn't played for over two seasons almost. That is a lot of time to make up. And I understand that everybody in Jacksonville has said that, oh, man, Calvin Ridley doesn't look like he missed a beat and blah, 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 blah. But there is a difference between playing in shirts and shorts and then going out for a full 17 games after you haven't played a full 17 games in, gosh, I don't even think he's ever played. He may have played one full season in his career, if I'm not mistaken. Let's see. He has played zero full seasons in his career so at this point <laughs> that's a lot to ask now i love calvin ridley i've always thought he is super talented but at this point it's clearly the jaguars but yep. there's a lot of interesting questions to ask about the jaguars as far as is christian kirk Is Zay Jones, are they really what they were last year or are they what they've typically been at most stops in their careers? Can Calvin Ridley play the full season and will he be the guy? But on paper, this is the best wide receiver core by far.
0: It's very explosive. It's very dynamic. It may not have like anyone close to sort of Traylon Burks or Michael Pittman's sort of style, uh, but I think it fits what they're trying to do really, really well. And I think again, Calvin Ridley on paper is the best receiver in the division. I, I do think Traylon Burks is maybe number four. Like you could yeah. argue he might be the fourth best player at this position, which For, number one,
1: most talented, I guess we should say, right? Like oh, I I, I can we, even
0: say he might be more talented. I know you don't like Pittman. I like him more, but I think Burks is more talented than Michael Pittman.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I guess but, I would say that as well. Um, you know, the, the thing is about the Jacksonville Jaguars pretty much as a whole, when I look at this offensive unit's, for the Jacksonville Jaguars um, is the fact that they kind of have the same issues as the Tennessee Titans, but with steeper drop-offs, I feel like from their starters to their bench warmers. When you talk about if Zay Jones goes down, Kevin Austin Jr. or Tim Jones are going to be your outside wide receiver stepping in. Kevin Austin Jr. is an undrafted free agent in his second year. I can't remember what year Tim Jones is, is from, or anything like that. They're they're they're, they're rookie that they got that has been kind of I feel overrated by the nerd community, but underrated by the fan community, which is kind of so that means he's lies somewhere in the middle is Parker Washington, but he's a slot only guy. So yeah, one of these if Calvin Ridley goes down and it's just Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, they don't have the firepower behind them. They just, they just rely on, hopefully they get the contract situation resolved on Evan Ingram. Well, and that's what I
0: would say is Evan Ingram is a unique case study because he's really not a tight end. Like he's, he's, he's really not, he's really a wide receiver. He doesn't do many things that tight ends do. He is a, glorify he's a slot big body receiver essentially um and again Sobrose is asking this and a asked this as well how long are the titans willing to wait for deandre hopkins is his question i would say that the titans move clearly up to number two on this list so um, just almost on par with jacksonville but just up to n- clearly jump in the colts if they sign deandre hopkins there's no question about that um but i think they wait i think the titans are in a we'll take you whenever you want to show up mode mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I, I i agree we, Week three, all right, we'll take you. We'll say we saved two weeks of contract. Week one, we'll take you. I, they're going to take. I do no wonder
1: how much the DeAndre Hopkins contract situation lingering out there. And I thought about this today. Nobody's really talked about it, and maybe I should have talked about it at the beginning. But just this line of talking just got me there. Will Levis still hasn't signed yet? I wonder how much the DeAndre Hopkins situation lingering out there is putting them in wait and hold mode. On the Will Levis contract, because Mm. whether it may they may give a fully guaranteed contract or a second rounder or or not may depend on money in the DeAndre Hopkins situation. Gotcha. Gotcha. Or they're they're waiting to see. They got both offers on the table, but they're like, "Will, don't sign this yet. Let's see if DeAndre Hopkins signs it. And then they then they know which contract they're going to maneuver to make room for certain things. Now
0: it, you did, we did tight ends separately from wide receiver, but I think we can yeah. also have a quick conversation about the combo, the combo with Evan Ingram on the field, Jacksonville, still number one. Mm-hmm. I think the Titans and the Colts I Titans think move but, up to number two. I think they're they, closer for sure. If not number yeah. two, to your point, um, I, the, the question is sort of like, what are you getting from the guys in Houston and Indianapolis? You don't really know exactly kind of what they're going to deliver and there's some pieces that you can get behind there's some people pieces that that are overrated but like I, I don't really know you know like you go sign an aging veteran to Houston like he's nice he's a nice piece but i don't i don't know i think i, I don't i don't think you know exactly what you're going to get out of the tight ends in, in those two locations
1: yeah and i agree that's why i put them so when i look at the t- the tight end situation in the afc south i think the interesting discussion is if it was just the number one tight end on the team, how different would your rankings look? So if it was Conquo, Evan Ingram, Jelani Woods, and um, Dalton Schultz, and you're just looking at them, how would that change your rankings? Because really, I would probably go Evan Ingram, Dalton Schultz, Conquo, and Jelani Woods.
0: Ooh, you like Schultz over, over Chig.
1: Well, Schultz is just a proven commodity. No, and that's a veteran. true. So, I mean, it's it's it, th- the interesting discussion in all of this because this is, these are such weirdly made teams. How much do you weigh potential when discussing rankings? Because to me, p- potential is great, but it's also a little intangible. I love taking a risk on Chica Conquo in fantasy over drafting Dalton Shul- Schultz because the upside is there.
0: Right, right.
1: But also C.J. Stroud could be feeding Dalton Schultz because they don't have anything else to throw to. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, like to me Chig can't block, but Dalton can. But how much can Chig's uh, explosiveness outweigh that? Like
0: and, and versatility, yeah, and
1: versatility. So, but when I look at it, if I'm looking at all the tight ends, for me, it's Titans, Texans, Colts, Jaguars. And, Titans number
0: one in, in yeah. a tight end room.
1: Yes because they have I think the most complete athletic and explosive tight end room everywhere else. It's like one guy and he like Evan Ingram is good. but if he goes down, you got Brenton Strange <laughs> and you ha- who's a rookie, Luke Farrell and Garrett Prince. I mean, that is like if wow. Evan Ingram goes down, which, by yeah. the way, he still has yet to sign his tender. So he's not showing up to training camp more than likely. and he's, and he's been hurt
0: multiple times. And he's, he's been, been hurt better.
1: multiple times. And there's some seasons that on his resume, which are not exceptional. Like if he goes down, that's a huge, huge blow for the Jacksonville Jaguars offense. The Titans, if Chig goes down, OK, you can do stuff with Josh Wiley. You can bring in Kevin Rader. You can move around some people. The Titans were, even last year, were one of the best passing teams out of 12 personnel with two tight end sets. That should be even better this yep. year. The Texans are, and the G- Colts are kind of the same thing. Like It's like Jelani Woods Moali Mul- Cox, I almost put them at two, but I think Dalton Schultz and Brevin Jordan, who was catching on last year, is a little bit better I agree. a duo.
0: Yeah, I, I I I think you're undervaluing Ingram a little bit, but like he's, I don't know. I would, I would hear well, what I would Ingram say. Ingram
1: would be number one if it's only Evan Ingram. Right,
0: right. What I would do is if I would package these together, if I put tight end and receiver together and say pass catchers, to me it is Jacksonville clearly number one, mm-hmm. and then basically three teams that are about the same. Yeah. Like that's that's really what we're talking that's about. That's also it's, cheating. Which weapons does your quarterback have to throw to yeah. And it's clearly Jacksonville number one. And then Tennessee, Houston, Indianapolis are all basically even. So I, I know we're supposed to rank things, which is not a list. We didn't do wide receiver tight end combo, but pass catching weapons. I, I would probably go Colts ish Titans ish tied. Maybe there, I might lean Colts. I might lean Titans. It depends on, I, I would what, lean what Mood. I, mood I, I woke up in. <laughs> Um, but otherwise, I think the pass catching weapons for Jacksonville are clearly the best. Um, uh, it doesn't mean that we're not going to see growth out of Kyle Phillips, growth out of Chick Conquo, growth out of Traylon Burks. It's not like we can, we're not going to. you add DeAndre Hopkins, and they are sort of one Jacksonville, one B Titans, like right there next to them. So, uh, they're, they're still this is not a particularly uh draftable fantasy pass catching division. How about that? <laughs>
1: I, I, yeah, I, I think there's if you're looking at it from a fantasy perspective, I think that you can find some real hidden gems in the mid to late rounds from the Titans, Texans, Colts, because everybody's going to be buying the Jaguars high.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, I just immediately started thinking about a a like AFC South fantasy only like AFC South only fantasy league and how like like we got a four team league. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and trying to play in a fantasy league with this with this division, I think would that be. would be
1: pretty fun if you did it by divisions. You can only draft the players in your division, and then be interesting. And then you can make the trades, you know, with a maybe other. If you did a thirty-two team league, but you only had four teams in each division, and you can only draft from there, and then go and trade everybody around, that'd be pretty fun. That yeah, could
0: be fun. Okay, hey, look, I'm all for a little creative. salary
1: caps. I had a little salary uh, cap, I, I'm
0: all I'm all for some. Uh, th- yes, so bros, it sounds completely insane. I agree. I agree. It's like doing NL only fantasy baseball. Like, who does that? Um, okay, let's do running backs here because I want to save O line, which is the most interesting one, and quarterback. I want to save those two, uh, but I want to start. We'll we'll do running back here because I do think this one's also pretty easy to predict. So I don't, I don't know. I'm, make... I'm
1: interested to see if because I mean I know you got my list beforehand, but I'm interested to see if you actually line up with it. I, I would have the you know, I know was, my list is going to surprise people.
0: Okay, I I was not surprised at all for me.
1: Well, I, I think had, I think the casual listener or maybe the even the most advanced listener will probably be a little surprised that I put the Colts first, the Titans second, the Texans third and the Jaguars fourth. Okay, so
0: my argument actually only the only argument I might have cuz I love Damian Pierce. I just think he's a really good player. Uh, and and they went out and got some better pieces. I I think the etn bigsby backfield is sneaky good i think it it may
1: be sneaky good but also a rookie running back like tank bigsby i don't know if we're really gonna see anything especially in the jacksonville offense when where it's how it's kind of uh Laid out there. I mean, you're probably running three white 11 personnel. And is there going to be really a lot of opportunities for Tank Bixby to contribute? Like, well, the
0: question is who's got the best room, though? So, yeah, it, it, I'm not saying and that I, I don't think them. they
1: do. I mean, I think they're sneaky good. Like, I agree. I really had a hard time putting Damian Pierce and Devin Singletary over them. But I think that what you're getting with Damian Pierce, he proved he is a stud in this league. And then you have Devin Singletary, who has, who is now out of the lead back role and into a role most su- suitable for his skill set. Yes. Whereas you got, tra- it's kind of like swapped. It's like almost like Tank Bigsby could be Damian Pierce and Travis Etienne could be Devin Singletary. And I've kind of fear that Travis Etienne, his usage was really high last year, and it caused him to disappear in games. And I wonder if he can truly, if this backfield will truly work. I I
0: would rank him Indianapolis one, Tennessee two, Houston three, Jacksonville four. I might put Jacksonville three, but I think they're basically even those Houston and Jacksonville. I think if you're, if you're, if you are very, very bullish on Bigsby ETN and company growing and, and becoming used correctly, I think you could put Jacksonville near like further up this list. If it's all about Taylor and Henry staying healthy, if they're both healthy, then they're clearly the best two backs in the league, maybe, you know, in football. And it's all about Jonathan Taylor being a little bit younger, more explosive, more dynamic.
1: And then I would. And, that's and also Zach Taylor Moss would. is more proven than yes. Tajay Spears. You know, to me, that also plays into it as well. But like but I, I think that I easily like... at the end of the year you could see this all swap around, right? You could easily see almost a Jacksonville, this is what we should really do is is compare these at the end of the year and see how we rank them. Because you could almost say that if Etienne and Bigsby is, Bigsby is as good as what you think he's going to be, they could almost easily go up to number two. Especially yes. if Jonathan Taylor can't stay healthy. Especially yes, or, if Zach Moss can't you know spell Jonathan Taylor and be good at it. If, or
0: Derrick Henry can't stay healthy.
1: Yeah, or Tajay Spears just goes off like we think he is, and then he, they're up to number one. Like That's, that's what, really I gonna what,
0: what I was going to say. What I was going to say is I, I'm a big believer in Tanks Bigsby as a player. I don't know, again, how he's going to be used correctly yeah. or not or whatever. I think Tank Bigsby is a very good running back. But I don't disagree with. I think Tajay Spears is a very good running back. So if you Evan think, Hole
1: in Indianapolis is really good too, because we saw him at the Senior Bowl and he is, he is something.
0: If you're going to buy in and use an argument in this conversation about Tank Bigsby, then I think you have to say the same things about Tajay Spears. I think they're yeah. both drafted about the same spot, similar talent level, different skill sets, but like uh, it, basically as good as each other in terms of what they could bring to the table. And I think right now, it's all dependent on how they are deployed by the offense. And we know Spears is going to be a part of the offense. We Henry's a proven commodity. I think Etienne is, is a really good player. I think Pierce is a really good player. I just don't think it's you can't argue Taylor and Henry are not one and two. I think Titans could easily be number one here. Titans could easily be number three eventually if Henry's hurt and Spears doesn't hit and all of a sudden Etienne and Bigsby are stars, all of a sudden they're up at number two. So I think there's I think you're right about comparing this at the end of the year is gonna be really interesting. But I'm with you. I actually agree. I'm going Colts, Tech, Colts, uh, t- Titans, Texans, Jags. But I, with the caveat being like, I really like that Jags tandem yeah. uh, as well. Okay. Which is more controversial in your mind? Offensive line or quarterback?
1: Well, I think we're going to get into quarterback way more than we're going to probably get in, get at each other in right. offensive line. So the the <laughs> explosiveness and the fireworks is going to be probably around the quarterbacks.
0: Let's say let's save that one for the end then. So o- offensive line, and I found this one to be v- very difficult to pinpoint what I actually thought.
1: Yeah, this like, was hard.
0: It's, it's so hard to tell which one has done the best amount of work developing and filling holes, and like it's really really hard to tell which, because like, I looked at your list and you sent it to me before the show. And I kind of was like, I started with my list and I was like, no, I kind of like this team above that team. And then I started working on it and I was like, I have no clue.
1: (laughs) They all have their major flaws, right? Like I look at these and they all have just these weird collection of men, meaty men that are on this team. And I did, I did take into account the Jaguars offensive tackle who is being suspended Camp, and, Cam Robinson. yeah, Cam Robinson and take into account NPF in this and kind of where I situated them. Because really fair. if like Cam Robinson was healthy, I think I probably, or Cam Robinson was going to be there at the beginning of the year. I may put them at number one, but we're talking about sort of a kind of put in factored in how they look right now. Like what's the actual depth chart right now?
0: Well, and you, and again, you have to factor if you're talking about the Titans, it's not only just the unknowns and the new pieces and the yeah. moving around in the offensive line, but it's like, you have to factor in that your starting right tackle is going to miss a third of the season. Like you have to, you have to factor that in uh, cam Robinson's the same, same thing. I do think the Colts are number one. I, I think Indianapolis is number one. I agree with you. I think that's where they belong. I think Houston is number four, so I agree with you on that. I think the debate wow. is between. I think the debate is between Jacksonville and Houston, and Tennessee. I think that's the debate, and I don't think we have any clue. And the Colts could be even further above everybody else, like if their left tackle develops or Quentin Nelson gets back to being better. Like they they could actually be clearly number one, but there's some if in that. There's some questions there about that. I think I think the Jags at I would vote Jags two, Titans three. And I think that's because there's a little bit more of a proven commodity, a little bit more like they're one year further down the, the rebuild than, than the Titans are. That's how I would, that's how I would put it. So, I mean, we agree.
1: Uh, I, I think the, the issue that I have with, with a team like the, the Jaguars, again, if Walker little, who's the current left tackle goes down, do you know who his backup is?
0: Oh, uh, for Jacksonville? Yeah. it's Is it like the right guard that played left tackle some last year or something like that?
1: Currently on their depth chart is Coy Cronk. <laughs> Coy Cronk. Okay. Sounds, like Dennis,
0: sounds like Dennis Daly. Who the, the
1: fuck is Coy Cronk? Like, but again, you could almost, I'm sure Jacksonville fans can come into the Tennessee Titans thing and their analysts can look at this and yep. say, if Andre Dillard goes down, you know, they may switch some people around, but with NPF down, It looks like you have a guy named Jamarco Jones. Who the hell is Jamarco (laughs) Jones? I mean, they probably have never heard of Jamarco Jones. So it's not as bad as Koi Kronk. So maybe the depth for the Tennessee Titans as it currently sits is a tad bit better if you're excluding NPF and Cam Robinson. But I think once you add those guys back in, it's the Jaguars to the Titans three.
0: So what's interesting is I don't uh, think
1: there's a wide margin between the Jaguars, Titans, Texans.
0: No. And in which case, and I saw some rankings in, in just like kind of like random, um, like offensive line rankings that I was just glancing at to sort of get a feel for where people view this. And I've seen some that had like Jacksonville and the Colts kind of near the top 20, but not very far in, this is a terribly offensive line division for the record. Mm. Um, and I, and it had like the Titans at 31, the Texans at like 25 and then the Colts and Jags were clearly ahead. I saw another one that had to your point, all three of them, Jacksonville, Houston and the Titans in like 28, 29, 30. And and so I do think the Colts are clearly the leader here. Uh, Certainly if everything hits, they have the best offensive line. Um, I, I I just don't think we can put the Titans higher than three, even putting them over Houston. You could argue is optimistic, especially. I
1: I looked at, I looked at Houston's, Offensive line, and I just Juice Scruggs does not put a lot of faith in. I think that's a big, big hole for that offensive line, where everybody else has kind of holes, but they're kind of not, you know, they're not as glaring as what that is for the the Houston Texans.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree with that. So I, I think it's we're not really not a ton of debate on on uh, where they are. I saw, PFF by the way has the Colts at number ten. Um, the Raymond kid at left tackle is a really if he develops, they've got a, a nice piece there, but they had him at number 10 um, all the way up, up that high. I, th- I think that's I can really see that
1: optimistic. I don't I, I could see it like I could see this Indianapolis Colts offensive line taking a huge leap forward or I guess a huge rebound from last year's utter disaster yes. and their head coach who was awful and all this stuff like I really do think that the Colts skill players will be better productive than what they were last year. And that includes the offensive line, in my opinion, because the offensive line has always been a big piece of the puzzle for the Indianapolis Colts.
0: They have a PFS got the Houston, Texas at 25. Now I would say this, they probably do have the best single offensive line person (laughs) in the entire division. Probably. Um, they have Houston at 25 Jacksonville at 26. And then you got to go uh, down even further to, to the Texans at thir- or to the Titans at 32. That would be of 32 teams just for the record. So uh, I, I think, I think it's almost all about, this is going to sound strange, but I think it's mostly about Dillard. Yeah. If, if, if Dillard is a starting level, doesn't have to be good or bad, just, just, just average. If he's a starting level left tackle, I think they can be better. Cause I think Skaronsky is going to be a huge upgrade. I think is. Mm-hmm. I think Skaronsky is going to be a really good player. So, uh, and I think Brunskill uh, is a is a is a big up is a, not a big upgrade, but status quo if not a plus over Nate Davis. So I think it's three of the worst offensive lines and the Colts. Yeah, is fully agree. Talking. Okay, all right. That brings us to the debate here uh, at quarterback. I assume you give me your list, I'll tell you where you're wrong.
1: Okay, so I did. It, it's all about depth for me. With this particular group, it's all about depth so if the starting quarterback were to go down who probably will still have the best chance to collect some wins and i think when you look at it it's titans jaguars colts texans and we have we have seen and I'll just go through these real quick. We have seen that Davis Mills cannot win you a lot of games. He can keep games close, but you cannot win. Maybe this new offensive system he really takes to it, but that's an unproven. Then C.J. Stroud, we really don't know what C.J. Stroud's going to be. Gardner Minshew, we've, we know Gardner Minshew is like a two-and-two kind of guy. Like, it's two-and-two. And he's basically a five hundred quarterback. And then Anthony Richardson, we have no clue what he is. You go to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and if this was QB one, I would put Trevor Lawrence over Ryan Tannehill, almost like one A one B, kind of like what you did when you moved up DeAndre Hopkins and you made the pass catchings, you know, one A one B. I'd probably put Trevor Lawrence one A one B. But CJ Beathard, I am not putting any trust. We have seen CJ Beathard play. I am not putting any trust in CJ Beathard. I think because of the coaching that Mike, that the quarterback room from quarterback one through three is a lot better than any of the other quarterback rooms. So this is a quarterback room debate in my mind. If you want to make a quarterback one debate, I don't think we're going to be entirely different, but that's how I view it.
0: So this is, this is almost a function of like more how you debate things or how you rank things, honestly, because I think with tight end, for example, they all do different things and it's important to value tight end one, two, and three sort of in a different way and differentiate them just like wide receiver one, two, three, and four do different things running back one and two. You know, you're if you're talking about, uh, you know, secondary, you have to talk about nickel backs. You have to talk about slot backs. You have to talk about star players that star, not like superstar, star that like are versatile that move around. Like you, you have to talk about depth in a way at almost every position on the football field that you do not really have to talk about with with quarterbacks in general. Because the bottom line is, your guys should not be playing games. The, I agree with you that if it's we're ranking the backups. Even even then, I, you know, you could argue Davis Mills right now is better than Will Levis. You right now see uh, uh, Gardner Minshew might be better than Will Levis. I uh, Gardner
1: Minshew is not the backup. He's the starter. So sorry.
0: Fair. Um, I I find it impossible to separate Richardson and Stroud. Honestly, I think I, I just it depends on how I'm feeling that day. So it's hard to, to debate. I think I would lean Minshew maybe over Mills slightly. Um, but they've played some games. So I probably, maybe I lean Colts over Texans in that because I like Richardson. I think Stroud is, you know, again, there's hard, hard to differentiate. Yeah, like, I to think me, Ryan T- like
1: Minshew is the deciding factor between the Colts and the Texans for sure. Like, okay. I, I really okay. agree with that. Like to I, me, I think that's fair. I think if you're looking at it, like if you're going to take Minshew or Stroud for this year, this is not a potential, of many years down the line, we're talking about in 2023. You're taking Minshew for 2023 to win you games now. And that's how I kind of view who's going to win you games now out of these quarterback rooms. And when you start differentiating between who's starting and then look at the backups, it's like Davis Mills is maybe a better backup than Anthony Richardson but Gardner Minshew is a better starting quarterback currently from with information that we have than CJ Stroud.
0: Yeah. And I, and I'm not going to, I refuse to, to, to rank Gardner Minshew as a starter. If we're, if you're doing it as a room, uh, here's the thing. I, I think uh, I can argue
1: 100% the starter. I for mean, now, starting week one
0: for now that could last two weeks. But my point is, is that you have the superstar top four draft pick, which I could argue Richardson is just one notch better than Stroud. Maybe not. Who knows? You've got, The the veteran on the roster, no matter whether he starts week one or whatever, you got the veteran on the roster who is, who is Gardner Minshew and Davis Mills, and I would go Gardner Minshew. So if I'm if I'm saying that I think the rookie could be slightly better and I think the veteran guy is slightly better, then you got to go Colts over Texans. Doesn't mean CJ Stroud might not be the best player in the out of the four. He might be, so we'll have to find out. None of those four are better than Ryan Tannehill. Mm -hmm. So Ryan Tannehill is clearly number two, and the Titans are clearly number two on this list. I it's it's. Unique. The Titans are unique in in this draft because they have a first round graded quarterback prospect behind a veteran presence, not a fill in veteran like Baker Mayfield. It is a real starting valuable quarterback in Ryan Tannehill, but there is no way in hell that they have uh, that they are above the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're just not Trevor Lawrence is potentially a top six, seven, eight quarterback in the NFL. And, I mean, and the that, other guy's not the starting. The right? other guy doesn't matter. The other guy doesn't matter.
1: Well, he matters if the team goes down. You, you can't say. Well, you we're can't. T- we're talking we're... about. But we've been talking about this whole time, units. And now because we get to the quarterback and we can't talk about your golden boy. All no, no, no. It's, lonesome, it's It's. it's no, you don't it's want that to talk this, about units hang on, hang on.
0: It's that units don't matter as much in the quarterback conversation.
1: Okay, they don't. Okay, well, say that to the you San cannot... Francisco 49ers last year. Say that to the Tennessee Titans last year. That uh, To say that to all the teams that get injured quarterbacks and have to go through rotations, that units don't matter.
0: No, it's what I'm saying is when you're because the quarterback, for the most part, the starter is going to play on average like 95 percent of the time. It's not like tight end or secondary or running back where you're going to rotate guys on a routine, regular basis, in which case it matters a lot more to talk about the room. I don't think ranking quarterbacks in the NFL in which you are trying to keep a singular player in the lineup at, at on every snap that Trevor Lawrence, who, again, and I know we dif- differ on that opinion, which is totally fine. You don't like him as much as I do. That's but fine.
1: I did say if you go back and listen to the tape that if we're just doing QB ones, I heard you. I would put Trevor Lawrence first.
0: OK, I don't think Will Levis and Malik Willis. I, I don't think Malik Willis—they're they're Will better Levis. than CJ beat hard. Of course, That's what uh, I'm call it. of course, so that matters if you're hard. talking about units. You can't beat just hard. say I don't well, want to hear you talking about beat harding units. Okay, let's stop about this. Let's stop. Well, when then, I... then, no, then no, why are no, so, you bringing back? Had, like I tried you... to
1: agree with you, and you've then you're like, your... well, then you can't say that you haven't let me finish. You haven't let me finish. Then CJ beat hard matters.
0: The gap between Trevor Lawrence and Ryan Tannehill
1: is not that wide
0: is, is way greater than the gap between Will Levis, Malik Willis based on potential.
1: Maybe if you want to include potential and not what we've seen on tape, then yes, sure. But I don't know. I mean, like I think they're a lot closer than what you you are.
0: You are incapable of analyzing Trevor Lawrence Accurately, in my opinion, I think you just. I think you. I don't you made know. Up your I mind. Used the
1: film use the data. I don't I know what you made using. up your mind. Maybe you're looking at.
0: I think you made up I, your mind. I
1: said that he would be one A. I don't think that they are that far apart until Trevor Lawrence actually shows it on a consistent basis. That's all I'm asking for. We have years of data and years and decades of film on Ryan Tannehill. So you know, if I'm gonna give a bump for a little bit of potential, it's gonna be a minor it's going to be a minor bump, but right now that's all it is. is just potential. You're grading potential. And I don't think that's fair to the conversation of accurate representation. I think you are
0: being, I think you're being unfair to Trevor
1: Lawrence's second season. Man, (laughs) I can't believe I put him as number one. Damn me. me, Damn me. I'm so unfair to put him number one. Okay. Calm down. Calm down. (laughs) I mean, Trevor Lawrence false narrative at this point. Trevor.
0: No, you said his, you said I'm grading him on potential. I am not. To some degree, all of these things are based on what you think is going to happen with them. So I think you could argue all of these units are graded on what you think the potential is going to be. Not necessarily like upside or whatever, but just what do you think is going to happen this year? And Trevor Lawrence's only season with a professional adult head coach in the NFL, after which you had three elite seasons of tape when he was well coached. The Urban Meyer season is the outlier in his career. You did not have career. three elite
1: but seasons in college. Let me finish.
0: Let me finish now. His one season last year was better than anything Ryan Tannehill has done in 15 years. So it's just, they're just not close in my opinion. Now, I'm even okay saying do the room. I'm still ranking Jacksonville better. I'm still ranking Jacksonville ahead. It's just, to me, the rooms aren't that close either. I, I, I also think you value the room less in this particular positional discussion because the goal is to have your starting quarterback. Now, when you have a rookie like, Richardson or Stroud and like they might not start then it's a more complicated conversation but the goal for the Titans is probably to have Ryan Tannehill start every snap and the goal for the Jacksonville Jaguars is to probably have Trevor Lawrence start every snap and so i i'm just i agree there's better depth for for Tennessee i agree their their starter is not as good as the other guy's starter and that's that's why i'm ranking I think it's I, a
1: lot further and i think you're discounting what Ryan Tannehill did on a per snap basis in the 2019 2020 seasons, and I think you're also forgetting about his 2015 and 2014 ventures as well with the Miami Dolphins. I mean, volume stats. If you're just looking at strictly yards, yeah, he's he's. I think he may have one that's a little bit more. But if I think if you look at what he did in 2019 and 2020, is better than what Trevor Lawrence did. It's just that Trevor Lawrence had more passing opportunities to showcase what you're talking about, but he also had an easier passing defensive schedule than he will face this year.
0: And, and 19, I, you have to, you have to go per game or per pass for 19 with Tannehill. Cause he didn't start until like week five. So like, yeah. I, I totally agree with what you're
1: saying. Like I'm not, my, my I, so to say that he's never done anything close is a farce.
0: In I, my I, opinion. I, I, you're saying fair enough. I'll give him more credit. What, what you're saying though, is that I am, basing it on things that I have not seen. And I can make the case that Trevor Lawrence's season last year was better or as good as anything Ryan Tannehill has done with a lot more opportunity to do it. That's all he's had, I, he's had I, ten I, years to do it. And he's only done it one time,
1: maybe I, two times. I, I don't think anything last year showed you a, a quarterback that was as good as Ryan Tannehill's peak. It, it may, it, I it wish may Ryan peak. Tannehill
0: showed us more of Ryan Tannehill's peak, you know? Well,
1: yeah, I wish you would listen. <laughs> I, I think that, the, I'm not writing anybody off, but I think that when you look at the consistency from game to game performances last year and the opponent, you can only play the opponents you're given, but when you look at the opponents that he struggled with versus the opponents that he didn't struggle with and performed at a high level, that you you have to understand that one way or the other, it's not been determined what Trevor Lawrence is. but. I am willing because I think that with the, the past catchers that he has with the growth and consistency and coaching staff, I think that Trevor Lawrence is currently a slightly better quarterback. I'm just not willing to concede that in the grand scheme of things, the gap is that big at this point.
0: Okay. And that's totally fine. If that's your opinion, I think the gap's a little bit larger, not a lot, but a little bit larger and will continue to grow every year. And which is not what we're talking well, about eventually, Ron is
1: not gonna play, so that really is not gonna <laughs> right.
0: matter. And and that the Titans have slightly better have better have significantly, let's even call it, significantly better depth. I think the that better depth at quarterback should be largely irrelevant in theory, because you don't none of the teams want the depth to matter. Like they don't your goal as a football team is to not have to play your backup quarterback ever. And so if we're talking about injuries, then it's like I agree with you when we when we talked about. Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry, you know, like they both have had one major injury in the last two years. Like, do we have to include that in our thinking and our conversation? Yes. But we kind of also have to assume like the best version. Like, what do we think these guys are going to be? And we think that they're going to play, let's say, 15 out of 17 games. And so therefore, we have to evaluate Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry on that. And they're but the backups matter because the backups are going to play a ton and feature into the offense. Whereas the goal is for You know, CJ beat hard (laughs) and 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 honestly, Malik Willis, zero snaps. And the question I have about Will Levis is more about a function of the future versus the record versus the situation of the season versus blowout situations like there's just more. It's more complicated with Will Levis than than it is anywhere else. The the Jacksonville Jaguars want Trevor Lawrence to take every snap full full stop. Like, And and that and if that's the case, he is the better player, in my opinion. In my opinion, he's the better player. Um, he's also clearly prettier, according to to stony's question. Who's prettier? It's obviously Trevor Lawrence. Um,
1: yeah, but pretty. Uh, who's more ruggedly handsome? I, I I, I wouldn't
0: dis- I I wouldn't disagree with you. That wasn't the question. I know. The Question was who's prettier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Stacking the What do you got for the people coming up this week?
1: Uh, going to be a whole data series on what, how the lack of an analytics department really failed the Tennessee Titans. I mean, we're talking swings in games. If they had a fully fleshed out analytics department, I like it, but also Mike Vrabel would have to use that critical piece of information in there. So today I kind of, you know, laid the groundwork with talking about John Robinson And his failure to do as such, talking about Rand Carthon and his, which seems to be the biggest, most glaring difference between the two regimes so far, is his approach to analytics. And talking and providing lots and lots of context to the 2022 season about why analytics could have swung so many games and made such a difference. And that led into ending it on talking about play action and my favorite thing to complain about when and during the Todd Downing era and talking about how much play action not only mattered for Ryan Tannehill, but for all the quarterbacks that played for the Tennessee Titans. And later today, I'll be heading over to Stony Sobro Studios in Ooh. Mountain. And we are recording an in-person podcast for the unofficial Titans podcast, talking about the what if of Jake Locker's career.
0: Oh, I love that. I, I
1: love that so much. Like,
0: what if he actually liked football? Um, it'd be it'd be amazing. Uh, Stony, are you actually doing the first five of your big board as soon as Zach wants him to, <laughs> to do it for quarterbacks? Because if it doesn't have Michael Pratt on it or Austin Reed, I don't want it to I don't want to read it. So uh there I you go. I saw a
1: mock draft today. Some deep names. I, I, I did it. I clicked on the mock draft. This oh, don't do it. From don't do pro it pro football network. They have the Tennessee Titans at number four selecting Drake May. Uh
0: that is fascinating considering <laughs> what they just did yeah. i I, ha, I saw one where they bo were nicks very, was
1: at number six by the way i, I six saw the,
0: i saw one where the titans were sixth and they pick uh, jc um latham out of alabama left tackle out of alabama so um but you've got drake may caleb williams michael Penix, bo nicks quinn yours could be a first round draft pick out of texas if he if he if he develops uh, th- there is a really massive huge quarterback class coming out next year are they all going to be first rounders? We'll see next year. We'll wait and see. Remember this uh,
1: this this year was supposed to be a massive, huge. I know, I know
0: it's all it's every year, and then they all yeah. end up being picked in the third round. Uh, Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral, <laughs> Sam Powell, and and uh, Malik Willis. Go to Sinker's Beverages, everybody. Go to Kingston Group as well. Um, you got in the inbox.com. You got the F words Pod. You got all kinds of great stuff as well. Um, SEC Media Days coming up next week, so we'll preview that coming up. Uh, On Thursday's show, we'll do the defensive unit rankings as well. Maybe DeAndre Hopkins will have made a decision at that point. So there you go. Uh, Otherwise, thanks for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Sinkers Beverages, Kingston Group folks. He is Zach. I am Braden. We'll talk to you guys on Thursday, everybody.